Hello listeners, this is your diehard romantic Eric Blood speaking. I'm just popping in here to say if you have not watched 1974's Black Christmas yet, you might not want to listen to this podcast. Uh, there will be a lot of spoilers and I think that you should actually watch 1974's Black Christmas. If you don't care about spoilers, just keep on listening. Otherwise, pause, go watch it, and come on back. All right, here we go. Welcome back to It Was Murder, the number one heart-to-heart podcast in the world. I'm your diehard romantic, Eric Blood. And I'm your devoted lover, Ellen Ito. And I'm the virgin voyager, Joe Garber. <laughs> voyager oh my now! God. Voyager. <laughs> He's, <laughs> no. You should be the voyager's delight. <laughs> the, voy- the voyager's delight. Joe Garber. Joe Garber. Welcome back, guys. Episode three. Of Chain Reaction. Chain Reaction. It Was Murder. Chain Reaction. Clang, clang. Clang, clang, clang. I almost said heart to heart chain reaction. Heart to heart chain reaction. Um, <laughs> want to start this episode by uh, sending a shout out to Danny at the UK office. Thank you for at sending. Thank you so much for sending that David Niven story, <laughs> the crab story. It was really funny. The London office. Uh, I'm going to post it to our Instagram so everyone can can get a treat from that. Uh, love hearing from you. We love hearing yeah. from any of you. Yes. <laughs> Especially now that we're doing something new. Uh, speaking of, it's Chain Reaction. We have followed Olivia Hussey from Death on the Nile to 1974's Black Christmas. Two movies that have several remakes. Yeah. Uh, and True. Interesting. Yeah. Several? Several. Death on the Nile had more than one remake? Yeah. There's a BBC one. I'm counting the BBC okay. television one. Sure. I would count. Okay. Which actually could be the best one. And Black Christmas had a remake before the most recent one? Yes. The, mm-hmm. uh, Black Christmas had one in 2004 or 5, um, starring Michelle Trachtenberg from Buffy the oh. Vampire Slayer. Was that good? I haven't seen it. Oh. Wow. Uh, I've, I remember being, <laughs> at that time in my life, I was a bit of a snot, and I was just like, this can't be better than the 1974 version because Margot Ketter and Andrea Martin and, you know, the, because of the movie we just watched. Uh, but yeah. now I'm really wanting to watch the new one. you did used to talk like that. <laughs> yeah. I did. I had That's a weird, kind of I I had a really that. weird accent. We would sit around when we first yeah. met. Like, midnight lace. <laughs> are you hungry for lunch? <laughs> Should we go get a Could sandwich? you say X-File? <laughs> 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 that might have been after X Files. Whatever. <laughs> oh, God. I loved when you used to talk Christmas. like that. Christmas. <laughs> so who, who doesn't? Uh, <laughs> we are. We did watch Black Christmas. Uh, basically we on Christmas, <laughs> we did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Boxing Day is that when we watched? We it? watched it on Boxing Day. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Whereas, I, Ellen, did you watch it on Christmas Day? No, I also watched it on Boxing Day. Oh, it's sweet. Oh, I love it. That's so cute. Um, tradition. It's a tradition now. <laughs> I, it's a tradition for me to just watch this movie at any fucking given time. So, yeah. How many times have you seen this movie? This would be my seventh or eighth time. What's it? But you 
and you have or you haven't seen you haven't seen the Michelle Trachtenberg, but did you watch the most recent? Yes, we, uh, Joe and I went to we the went. Uh, the Alamo Draft House downtown LA and saw the remake opening day, which was my introduction to Black Christmas because yes. I've never seen. This is my first time watching this movie, which I would like to say the the most recent remake is not the worst thing. It's but it's pretty fun. forgettable. Yeah, I don't really remember it, but yeah. it was I remember enjoying it. It was like enjoyable to watch. It's nice and and, and I I will get into it because it's it there are things about Black Christmas OG and yeah. Black Christmas New G that uh <laughs> hold the same values and yeah. that I like quite a bit. Ellen, how many times have you seen this version of Black Christmas? The 1970 I think this is the might be it's not my I feel like I've never sat and dedicated myself to this movie. Oh, okay. So this is maybe Fully. sort of your first. Wow. That can't be, can that's, it? That's that's nuts like... to me. <laughs> but it's part it's also um something where I don't know we've talked about it before, but I have like kind of a a weird schism in the way that I approach slasher or horror films. Um and so at the same time that uh, my heart is wide open to things uh, like uh, giallo films and hammer films and funny things like that. It's, it's sometimes like slasher films, um, like I love them one time, but then I can never like go back mm. and do oh. it. There's something about that's really like disturbing to me. And I don't I I don't know. Um, but I don't really think of Black Christmas as although it is iconic, I don't really think of it in this as. And I think the gore quotient has like ratcheted up significantly over time, obviously, right? Yes. With all the franchises and everything since the making of Black Christmas. It's and so to I think effect. those are the films that I'm talking about. I'm not making a lot of sense today and I apologize. But so but, you've never you know, seen this fully before. Well, I don't but, think that can be true. And I think the look on Eric's face illustrates to me that maybe I am. Oh, before we started recording, everybody, I was talking to Eric and Joe about how I felt like I was having a nervous breakdown. So bear yes. with me if I just don't remember <laughs> some shit today. But I am excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> I so so. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great way to start. I think I think that you have seen this movie before. You've probably saw it because we've talked about it. We before. have one hundred percent talked about Margot Kidder. I think I'm like. I I thought you guys. Yeah. So I mean, you're kind of switching places a little bit. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. This is my, yeah. I am actually the uh, the the. Oh, that's right. The, the many times this, over. So this is a movie. We just got a new TV, a gigantic TV for Eric's birthday, which just happened. Happy birthday, Eric! Thank you, Happy birthday, Eric. And this is a movie he put on to see, to check the levels of brightness, contrast, whatever, to like see if this movie looked good on our new TV to like mm. figure out the like all the settings, the advanced settings of our TV. This is the movie he put on to see whether it looked good or not. And so that tells me a lot. <laughs> well, that... I wanted to see this is a this is an older film. It's yeah. it's very grainy because it's a low budget horror movie from Canada <laughs> from 1974. And and one of the things new TVs don't do well is film grain. Yeah. Like they fuck they it up or they try it. to get rid of it yeah. to really diminishing effects. Yeah. RTV luckily is pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. Um there are still like a few scenes that are grainy and and whatever, but uh, that's I'll just I'll get used to it. Um, this is this, so this movie is some some consider it to be the original slasher film. Really? Yes. 
this is if you don't count Psycho <laughs> or right. or Peeping Tom. Right, right. Um, because Psycho is obviously widely considered by nerds to be the first slasher film ever. I also agree with that. Um, Peeping Tom is the first film to have slasher point of view. So like the, you are oh. you are seeing what the killer is seeing. Oh, okay. Amazing, very disturbing uh, old British movie that I think everyone should watch. Um, Peeping it's Tom. really good. <laughs> Peeping Tom. It's okay. very, very good. And then this I consider to be the first modern slasher film. It is also the first holiday themed slasher film. Yeah. Which has become <laughs> a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like not just Christmas. Right. Like it's before there was uh, My Bloody Valentine or mm-hmm. uh, Halloween, anybody? Halloween, which yeah. was four years after. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, before we go yeah. too much further, I feel like we should tell right. everyone what this movie is about in a minute or oh, less. Shit. <laughs> That's me. In a minute, maximum. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't. There's a train going oh, by. There's a train. <laughs> oh, sorry. We haven't heard the trains in a while. I know it has been a while. Yeah, commerce persists. Yeah, the the <laughs> is, supply chain. <laughs> is that where your veganaise is? Because <laughs> yeah, we can't seem to Where's find my veganaise. veganaise? My supply chain is coming back. <laughs> Your supply chain reaction. My supply chain reaction. <laughs> I'm going to get a gin- ginger ale yeah. and a Xanax. <laughs> I highly recommend both. All right. She's getting it off of a train. <laughs> She's going to rob a train for ginger ale, ginger ale and Xanax. Uh, fuck. Okay, okay I got to get, get it together, Alan. Okay. You're last, so you're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a hard summary. It is 1974's Black Christmas. Black Christmas. (laughs) A sorority house in Toronto is getting a lot of obscene phone calls that are extremely, extremely disturbing. Um, The cast of sorority girls include an alcoholic, brassy woman that we love, uh, a very cute Andrea Martin, um, a girl that dies spectacularly in the first five minutes, and Olivia Hussey, (laughs) our chain link. Uh, Olivia Hussey is also pregnant with Kierdelia's baby and she wants to have an abortion, but Kierdelia is like, no, you can't have an abortion. That's my baby too. And there's a very, uh, very real and, and honest argument about that whole situation that I find very fascinating. Anyway, there's also a 13 year old girl that's murdered and then the police get involved. <laughs> and, um, huh. once the police are involved, the, the murders really start taking off and, uh, no one figures out that the murderer is just living in the attic of the sorority house so terrifyingly. And instead they think it's cured Leah and they kill him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's the end. Uh-huh. Wow. That was great. <laughs> I don't know that I actually told you what happened in the movie, but yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is a hard one to summarize. It is. All right. Uh, am I up? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Black Christmas, 1974. All right. There's a sorority house where a bunch of the sorority sisters are one by one getting murdered in their bedrooms. There's also some creepy calls coming into the sorority house with people screaming and the the creepiest of men saying really weird sexual shit. The main Olivia Hussey... Her boyfriend, she tells her boyfriend that she's pregnant and he has a lot to say about that. And she wants to get an abortion because she has plans for her life. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Red flag. Uh, uh, You should have told me about that. 
And so it's like very clear that he's the killer. So he comes in. She's <laughs> the cops find out they trace the call to the house, and she, oh. they find out that the calls are coming from the house. And she goes up to save her sorority sisters, which is so sweet. But then he breaks in to check if she's okay, and she kills him. And then she's passed out. That they drug her, and they pan away, and the killer is still inside the house. We don't know who it is. The end. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. Major okay. Spoilers. Okay. So. <laughs> so, Ellen. Check this out. What was Check this, this about? Out. Check this out. I'm all ears. <laughs> okay. So, I'm pretty sure tonight we're talking about Black Christmas. <laughs> yes. From 1974. Correct. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, one thing I got to say, if I'm going to steal line from a character... It is Yulish. <laughs> Very Yulish, y'all. Yulish. So, okay. <laughs> so it is, depending on what part of the set you look at, it is the Pi Kappa Epsilon house, or it is the Pi Beta Phi house, or it is the Pi Kappa Sig house. Whatever. It's a sorority house, and it is the most exquisitely, amazingly, gorgeously, <sighs> uh, Christmasly decorated thing. It is fucking Yulish. That's why I had to say <laughs> it. But it is also kind of crazy because like barb who thinks things are eulish she gets super drunk there's andrea martin who just is super cute with her mm -hmm. natural curls and jess played by olivia hussey and then claire there's a boyfriend peter who wears a fur coat so he's obviously awesome and not a killer there's a <laughs> kind of like weirdly snotty congested sounding person who breaks into the house there's a super drunk house mother um, it's just very profane. She drinks a lot of um, like Italian Swiss straight sherry, which she hides everywhere to sort of sabotage her. Anyway, people get killed. And at the end, like someone else also gets killed. Oh, and Roper from Enter the Dragons in it. Oh, yes. <laughs> John Saxon. Mine was not good. That wasn't good. I thought it was uh, fantastic. Was it's, it is hard to summarize this movie. It's a lot of it's a lot going on in the same house and there are intricate details to why they don't really know what's going on because the first girl who's murdered is taken up to the attic and no she, so she so, goes into her closet and yes. there's somebody oh in my the God. closet which she's is looking for her cat terrifying divine, divine. that and first kill is divine she thinks somebody's pranking her clearly she's yes. like oh somebody's playing a dumb joke on me who is that who is that who is that uh, she walks into the closet it's claude the cat but it's, it's not claude the but cat. it's not because it's cat. a full-grown man standing behind plastic uh dry cleaning Classic. bags which is <sighs> the most horrifying image i this yeah. movie okay it's this terrifying. movie is actually scary it's, it's really it holds up too. like it's still scary i will so we've watched the newest remake of this that i don't remember i remember yeah. <laughs> maybe one scene of them in a cafe that's it this i will remember for the rest of my life oh yeah the scenes at the end of this movie are so affecting and scary and i want to say like i forgot who we followed into this movie olivia hussey <laughs> I, I didn't know who that was and i and I, even from death on the nile i did not pay attention to her character at all and I was like, why did we follow her into this movie? I don't understand. Who is this person? She she was so plain for the first part of the movie. And then she gets the call from the police. Mm. And 
they tell her that the killer's in the house and she starts screaming up the stairs to her sorority sisters answer me answer me mm-hmm. and that was so fucking scary yes <laughs> i'm getting like goosebumps right now just talking about it because that was terrifying mm-hmm. that she doesn't want to leave these her friends upstairs with this murderer and i was like oh this is why we followed her this yeah. is the moment and well, she was so good and amazing it, in that scene is it because at the beginning when we first see olivia hussey as jess she is just yelling so loud into the telephone that it seems crazy that yes. she is just yes, screaming yes. so loud and she yells pardon so loud into the phone that it's yeah. super funny and for the next the next time that she has the phone she just yells super loud in the phone and then i'm wondering if she just was like maybe we don't yell olivia like maybe yeah. we don't yell <laughs> yeah. into the phone as much um i'm wondering if maybe she was yelling because it's like the party scene or something but maybe that's... they just didn't do the get the sound levels <laughs> but it's super funny the way she yells into the phone that's and then exactly later, how i read it like yeah seconds later margot kidder is like screaming at them to sh- <laughs> everybody shut the fuck up yes and yeah she's like what's going on because she's but, talking to her mother who oh she calls a gold-plated God. whore <laughs> Gold, You're a real gold plated whore mother. Whore. <laughs> and um, I think <sighs> that was such an amazing what, moment too. What jumps out to me about this movie is just what made me fall down a not very minute max helpful um rabbit hole of the art direction for this film mm-hmm. and the photography. I mean, the cinematography for this film I love. It's so gorgeous. Me too. Yes. Uh, and perfect and amazing and funny all of the things it's like really saturated um, colors and yep. just mm-hmm. perfectly lit like like fucking extreme lighting <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so good i think it just i just feeling overwhelmed by it there's just like where 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 how what how do we talk about this it's a lot um, well we got we got going pretty good <laughs> the, I, I blew my load like really quick <laughs> on that. You're so excited about. I was so excited about that scene because I was so affected by it. It was just so good. That she really gives everything. She because of the f- oh, yeah. whole movie before that, I didn't understand why this was even an actor. I was like, "What? Who is this person?" Oh my god, like, she's I, pretty. She plays it pretty quiet in this. Sh- it's it's yeah. And I kept. Uh, mistaking her for the first girl that got killed because i don't know her at all i don't know her work at all and i kept i thought that the first girl who got killed was was olivia hussey but it that was somebody else and i was just like what wait why did we follow her it was like i was confused yeah (laughs) until that scene because that scene was so good okay I'm well, curious. And it couldn't have it couldn't have come closer to the end, jokes. That is literally like six minutes before the film ends. Yeah. So I'm glad that you I got had there. your hussy moment. Yeah, you got my there. hussy moment. Um. <laughs> yeah. But I'm curious. Her 2001 Space Odyssey boyfriend, Kirdalia. Right. Kirdalia. Mm-hmm. He she tells him that she's pregnant, and he tells her. You can't make a decision. She's like, I'm going to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. I have plans for my life. And he says, you can't make a decision like that. You haven't even asked me. Mm-hmm. Immediately, I was like, red flag, fuck that guy. Huge red flag and fuck that guy, yes. <laughs> well, 
But that it's is a, a that's a complex. It's com it's complex. Yeah. Well, to me, that is one of the most amazing things about Black Christmas, right? Is that it presents female characters mm -hmm. that are different from the huge majority of female characters that we experience in the genre from mm -hmm. that point forward, which is a little bit confusing, is it not? Yes, yes. That we have the heroine, the last the last girl, right? Mm -hmm. That they're the final, the, the final girl. The final girl. And she has had sex. Not only has she had sex, mm -hmm. she is pregnant and she is planning to terminate the pregnancy while wearing the world's biggest, biggest cross. 1974 <laughs> cross necklace. And it's so interesting, especially in the year of Not Our Lord 2022 to see um, that happening. It's I find that really fascinating. But but all of the girls have agency in their yes. own, in their own lives. Mm -hmm. They are independent you know they care about each other mm -hmm. nobody is you know usually like the formula is what like if you drink you get killed if yep. you fuck you get if killed you have sex, yeah yeah mm -hmm. like it's the classic thing so it's interesting i mean it's really it's, interesting for the first slasher movie to be completely against that and then they took that and turned it on its head it's really wild yeah that it's unique. It is unique to this movie. Uh, and, and so yeah. one of the things I learned in the IMDb trivia <laughs> was that the director, Bob Clark, set for himself when it came to writing the female characters, never objectify them sexually or give them nude scenes. Uh, he wanted them to come off as real people. Wow. Uh, and not disposable horror characters waiting to die. Yep. And I think he was massively successful. Like yeah. we... I genuinely love the company of all of those characters. Yeah. I mean, the the least is the first one to get killed because we didn't spend any time with her, mm -hmm. but I definitely felt horrible for his, for her father. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, wow. <laughs> that train. Okay. The train, sorry. The train no, it's agrees. Fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> the train agrees. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's interesting. Like this is an early film for Bob Clark, who then went on to make Porky's. <laughs> Weird. Porky, Porky's, and Porky's too. Uh, -huh. uh and and Murder by <laughs> Decree, which we might actually end up watching at some point. Um, but yeah, it's this movie is it stands alone in so many ways. Yeah, definitely. From from definitely. the slasher genre. Yeah. It, yeah, it's just not stereotypical in a lot of ways and no. it's not cliched in a lot of ways that other ones just so readily did cliche themselves but the funny well, thing is that there was no cliche. if you're first there's nothing to cliche about there you yeah. go you set the tone yeah i guess yeah. So. so it's yeah. it's it just really says a lot that misogyny worked its way in and, sold, well, uh, sold tickets hip hypocrisy end up being the things that our standard. are pervasive in, mm. in the genre from this point forward. Yeah. I mean, it's in, I mean, I guess maybe it's just, man, that's disappointing, right? Mm. Because there's, when they get that first obscene phone call and all of the girls in the sorority house, so everyone's, it's their last party before everyone disperses for Christmas holiday break. break. Mm -hmm. And so people are packing and, and running about and doing the things. And so she gets the phone call and it's clear that they all have had 
a couple of these phone calls or several of these phone calls before because they're all like, is it him? Is it him? And everyone's standing around and it's shot so terrifically because you hear the Christmas music in the background is mm. playing. And while we listen to this really disturbing, super oh obscene, oh super God. sexualized, mm -hmm. um, guttural phone call, you can they we see shots of each of the main girls faces while the Christmas music plays and the looks on their faces as they're experiencing harassment. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a couple of them make like they're just angry, which I think is also something that is not necessarily represented as something that is OK for uh, women to express. And so they're threatening him barb's like you know i'm gonna kill you you know mm -hmm. um what do they call him they call him super tongue like yeah. it gets really graphic <laughs> it's an extremely graphic uh phone call but it really sets the tone mm -hmm. and then interestingly after this the phone calls are not as sexual um once the killer starts killing mm -hmm. yeah so the calls yeah. beforehand but then my question is I'm going to turn into something totally different from where I was going with it. But so in the story, there is uh, there's a, a parallel missing girl that happens. Yeah. Claire yes. yeah. goes missing, the first victim of this killer. And the way it happens, you figure out as the film rolls along that after the killer commits a murder, he calls the he calls the phone in the house and start is working through um whatever it is that he experiences this release and this self-flagellation and all of the things like we get little bits and pieces of potentially a backstory that give us enough to know, like we already know this person's disturbed, mm -hmm. but initially we're kind of just thinking like, Oh, it's a creepy pervert, like the heavy breathing. Oh God. Now he's in the house. That's established mm -hmm. right off the bat. But it's like, Oh, like what's going on. There's this whole thing with the baby and the, the creepy singing and voices of the mother. Like it is, a lot it's a but lot at the same time another girl has gone missing in the same town and we learn that around the same time that everyone goes to the police station in the town a police station that i think is probably called calm down lady police <laughs> yeah yeah because that is where the misogyny rears its head yes. in a uh satirical way i think yeah in this but anyways Thoughts? It's I I I just feel like that this is like it's brilliant script writing to me like it's just brilliant script writing to introduce so one the movie opens with our killer entering the house yeah and with but silently killer vision with killer vision Murder vision yeah uh and not not set like but <laughs> like the this silently means like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But this this killer enters this house and and perches in the attic at the very that's the very first thing you see. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to the inhabitants of the house who are having a party. They're having a great time. They are all adorable. They're just doing their thing. We know that it's we find out it's about to be Christmas break. Yeah. So they're like getting everyone's getting ready to leave, which makes it so perfect yeah. for people to start disappearing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the only so, way that the investigation even gets kicked off is because the first woman, Claire, is it Claire? Claire, Harrison. Claire, her father shows up yeah. to pick her up. And he's like, 
I, she's she? not here. Where is she? And she talks to this guy on campus who has the most amazing hair I've ever seen on a human being. Mm. And I couldn't find the, the name of that actor because the hair wasn't the photo on IMDb. <laughs> but holy <laughs> shit, that's some hair. It's actually worth... The movie's amazing, but it's worth watching it just to see this kid's hair. Like a mop. It's it's very much a Suspiria jeans style, it style is, moment. It's a Suspiria <laughs> jeans. It's also like, what's the big, the big brown Muppet with the big nose and the eyes? Yellow eyes. Oh. Oh, the really tall one? Yeah. yeah. Like the big monster. Uh, I can't remember his name. Harry. Harry. <laughs> anyway, no, that's being, his hair. The, being serious, isn't that his name? It might be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, the hair on this kid reminded me of like that. He must have been the inspiration for Harry the Muppet. Yeah. It's very nice hair. But yeah, so he, the, the father's waiting, you know, in the town square or at the church or where he's on campus waiting for his daughter. Yes. And she doesn't show up. And so he goes to the house looking for her and he runs into the. House mother, Mrs. Mack, who has uh, a drinking problem that initially is kind of amazing and then becomes just so sad. kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> at least she's drinking sherry. You for know? me, that character was was the comic relief of the movie. Like, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And of course, like the souse, uh, you're not supposed to think of a souse as sad in the 1970s right. and before. I'm going to say if in the 1990s and before, you're she, not supposed to think of a souse as sad. But she like found that book. On the shelf. Yes, the B encyclopedia B for, for booze. booze. <laughs> and it was it was a bottle of Italian Swiss colony straight sherry mm-hmm. is what it was called. Yeah. It was cut mm-hmm. out. Which which you can still buy. Oh really? my god, I want to get a bottle. I oh want yeah, yeah. That. Uh, she had like a bottle hidden thing. in every room in the house too. And, and they give the, her like a toilet tank. <laughs> they all gather around her and give her a moo moo basically for Christmas. They give her a no, night, they give her a baby a night doll nightgown. Yeah. Nightgown, yeah. That they insist on her putting on immediately so that she will go to bed so they can just be yeah. young girls, which was Kind of funny. It's still funny to me that this is a thing because this bitch does not care what they are doing. She's not trying to stop them from drinking, from smoking, from fucking. Like, why do you want her to go away? I know. Just like hang out with her. She's She later describes the girls in the house. She says, these broads would hump the leaning tower of Pisa if they could climb to the top. This oh is this is after is Claire's the, father shows uh, up to Italian find her. Italian Swiss colony straight sherry talking. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but. Yeah. Okay. So Margot Kitty Kidder, yes, is fucking incredible. No shit. Obviously, she is like the world weary part of this sorority who's just like seen it all. Whatever. She's just having a great time. And is like, fuck she's you. She's the injured little rich it. girl. Yes. She's the one that smiles at the obscene phone calls. Yeah. And she says, I get two calls like this a day in, in the, the city, city. <laughs> in Toronto. And I was like, you get two calls like this a day. That's insane. First of all. Yeah. <laughs> but then, okay. During that scene, when they get the first call, she says, you can't rape a townie. And yeah, I was that's like, a real, that's bad. real what, bad joke. But what that's, does that mean? That townies established... are always willing. Oh, it's a class uh, joke. Okay. Um, okay. But it's because Barb is obviously like the rich, spoiled, um, 
mm-hmm. tough exterior girl, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But she's clearly heartbroken when she finds out that her mom is throwing her over for some guy for yeah. the eight million time for the holidays. Yeah, yeah she's, she's hurt and she proceeds whore. to get wasted. Yeah. It's a real gold plated whore. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Mark's uh, got layers. I'm um, curious. All of which are speared by a glass unicorn. I'm cu- oh. I'm curious about what you uh, like think. Ellen and Eric, what do you think about him being upset about her choosing to abort on her own? And she's she's oh. pregnant. Olivia Hussey's pregnant with um, Kierdelia's Kierdelia. <laughs> baby, and he's upset that she's Dave's choosing baby. to <laughs> abort the baby on her own. And at Peter. first. My first reaction Dave to that was like, <laughs> "What are you doing, Dave Bowman's baby? What are you doing, Olivia? You doing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, stop! Don't abort the baby." <laughs> I mean, from this moment on, there's ha ha Kubrick jokes. Yeah, there. So basically, this is kind of his first scene. Is like you're aborting our child. You don't have. He he sort of comes off as like you don't have the right to do that without asking me first. Yeah, but he says you can't make a decision like that you haven't even asked me. And at first I was like, that's a fucking red flag, gross, disgusting, male, chauvinist, pig, disgusting. But then I sort of was like, well, he's not, I'm curious what you think about this. I'm curious what you think about that character and that decision and his anger in that moment. I mean, I can throw, I can throw mine out real quick and then it's all you, Ellen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, they, (laughs) They are not married. It's her decision she Full had stop. every right to terminate that pregnancy. Right. Okay. Full stop. What do you, What do you think, Ellen? I'm really curious about your opinion about that. His so, reaction. To are you, that. You're asking me about how how it makes me feel about the character, or how I would feel about that situation <sighs> in real life, or because those are you know, like I think those, I are, those are in, intertwined. Yeah, I, I think guess that, that, about a, a man having a reaction like that to finding out that his the person he's seeing is pregnant. I'm as just, a as a bystander, what is your opinion on that? Yeah. <laughs> Bystander. Well, yeah. Like... Um, <laughs> well, I'm I'm just really curious. Okay, sorry. Um, you're asking me how I feel about whether about whether men have a right to decide if women. <laughs> I, guess, um, I guess that is. I guess that is <laughs> what I'm asking. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just I'm sorry. To it's just like that's about. like. I guess that is what I'm asking. Basically. That is literally the question. It's very. I am a man. I'm a gay man. I know neither of us yes. have to worry about this. Right. We don't have to worry about it. I'm just right. in watching Black Christmas. Watching this version of Black Christmas was your immediate reaction like, "Fuck that guy. Fuck that. Fuck his anger at that moment or or frustration." Like I'm just. I don't I know. Think- um, well, I think it like I'm going to talk a little bit about the, how we first encounter that character, because mm-hmm. we see three boyfriends at that point. Right. We see Chris, who's wearing the amazing fur coat, uh, and who comes back later to Art support um, her, his missing, unknown to him, murdered girlfriend, Claire, and support her father and support the other girls who are still alive in the house. Um, but. <laughs> But uh, and then we see the guy whose name I don't know with the amazing afro who dresses up as profane Santa at the frat house. Yes. But um, so Peter is 
a pianist. It's his goal to be a concert pianist. And so when she first says pardon and takes the, like the, <laughs> or when she, she talks to him on the phone, he's, she tells him she has to talk to him face to face. And he is just talking so much about how stressed he is and how he's been up for three days. And mm. he's, you know, he's, he's, about to have this big recital right so he's under some stress and she's like i'm coming i'm going to talk to you tomorrow at two mm-hmm. and she goes and she tells him that and it's such an it, the way that scene is shot when mm-hmm. she he tells her basically like what what the fuck like you can't you can't do that you're keeping this baby and you're whatever mm-hmm. and um she walks away from him and the way it's shot is this beautiful long shot he's sort of soft He's not quite soft focused, but he's off at his piano, mm-hmm. upset, and she's walking out facing over, you know, what would be our shoulder mm-hmm. perspective in the most amazing pink Angora beret. <laughs> and she stops and basically, yeah, like they have that moment where she's like, no, mm-hmm. nope. Mm-hmm. Like I already, already know what I'm going to do. What do I think? So in the film, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's such an interesting thing to insert into the plot of this film yes. right so is and it's is inconsequential it <laughs> well, it's amazing no, but, uh, but it's not though here's my thing yeah, is it is it a just a variation of how the virgin always survives is it that the mother survives even though she's going to carry like she's going to abort the baby there's something interesting about having a pregnant female who's going to terminate the pregnancy live because we always think of things like the pregnant women like get the mother strength that lets you pick up a volkswagen off your baby and throw it with (laughs) one hand you know or Mm. you know like terminator vibes or whatever right Mm. there's always like this mythos around the woman with child but this is a a really interesting twist on that idea in our heroine right Mm. but anyways what do i think about men telling women that they (laughs) aren't married to or aren't you know what do i think about that i think that it is really complicated yeah because they're you know because it takes two creatures to create a life for the human species anyway and um, it's so wrapped up in so many different elements. You know, yeah. people have their own religious beliefs. They have social pressures. They have their own morality. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, the idea of convenience. They have the the place that they're at in the relationship. You know, like there's so many mm-hmm. different things, and it just people have these ideas of what what that means, right? Like if some if you get somebody, if you if you become pregnant with a partner. Sometimes people then learn that they have very different ideas about what that relationship means or what Mm -hmm. the meaning of potentially creating another human Mm -hmm. brings to the table. It's a conversation that doesn't come up (laughs) before it before it has to become a conversation for a lot of straight young straight couples like you don't think about it. I mean, a lot of a lot. And I'm talking about modern uh modern young folks who fuck um they are taking precautions they are doing the things that they need to do in order to not become pregnant yeah and still enjoy a sec a healthy sex life yeah um for me olivia hussey's argument which i even calling it an argument bothers me because it's just a statement of fact she has plans and she is Mm -hmm. not giving them up Mm -hmm. because of this mishap 
Mm-hmm. And right. the fact that this guy, this this future concert pianist who can only play the scariest pieces. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, really, like, he, I'm sorry, you're, you have nothing to say about this to me. It's, it's for me, this is just mm-hmm. me. This is entirely me. And I'm a gay man. My opinion really doesn't matter at all. <laughs> <laughs> but this it is your podcast. It does matter because you're a registered it is, voter. It is how I vote. Yeah, that, well, yeah. just how y'all know, that's how I vote. Yeah. Uh, it has nothing to and do with And you him. have people that can become pregnant and or impregnant folks in your life. So yeah. mm-hmm. your opinion does matter. We just found um, out our neighbor is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I said, abort, abort. Abort. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> don't even think about well, it. So, so <laughs> Olivia Hussey has like the most sane, balanced uh, conversation yes. or she's yes. having it he's not really acting sane or balanced no. in response but she says when we first met you know you told me that you had a dream to be a concert pianist and I respect that I also had told you the things that I wanted yeah. to do and I still want to do them mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to want to hear about that but it really is like the greatest template for it's like awkward conversation like please see Black Christmas yeah um, yes but but you know, so interesting. It is such. Oh man, yeah. I I think that if you have a partner that you say you love, yeah. Um, if they don't want to do it, then you both should not do it. I agree. So if one of you does not want to do it, you should not do it. And I understand that people have religious ideas and all the pressures that right. I listed earlier, right. but. But in a world where those don't exist, in the world of Black Christmas, even though she's yeah. wearing that giant cross, which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> to me, my my perspective on it is if you don't have all those other things that that hold you to a set path already mm-hmm. before you even became uh, pregnant as a couple, then a million percent. If one of you doesn't want that, nobody should do that. Nobody should and do it. I I'll say as an adoptee mm-hmm. who was given up for adoption because uh, the person that gave birth to me had gone to school for years and years and was just beginning her professional career mm-hmm. and wanted to like had worked for that goal. Mm-hmm. She had things she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. She didn't abort me, but she did not raise me. Yeah. And so similar choices there so yeah, that's definitely. that's my stance on that if it's not a hundred percent buy-in then maybe you don't do it okay yeah. or don't do it yeah. but that character when later he circles back and he's like marry me and she basically like <laughs> it kind of goes on for a hot second then she's yeah. like i don't want to marry you yeah <laughs> yeah I... He also accuses her of treat taking it lightly, right? Like, yeah. like it's like having a reward removed, and he... it's like, oh, these yeah. same oh, dumb arguments, which comes, which comes in so beautifully again in the in the uh, phone calls. Oh my god, that is such a beautiful, terrifying scene. When great setup. So they have this, they have this argument, Kirtalia and Olivia. So you have they have this dis- discussion. Um, he says the thing about you're taking this very lightly. It's like having a reward removed to you. And she dismisses him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the phone call happens, which is, of course, again, we are being led to believe that he is the person making these calls. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of this scary ass diatribe in these terrifying voices, uh, the phrase, it's like having a wart removed comes up. Mm -hmm. And 
and she says, "Oh my god!" She says, "Oh my god!" And it's the only time that she genuinely reacts to it. And I think it's what causes her to hang up the phone. Does she hang up or does he hang up? He hangs up. He hangs up because at this point the cops are trying to trace the call. But at this point, she's she's convinced it's him. She thinks it's him, but she's not. She I don't think that she's convinced it's him until he shows up at the end. In that also super disturbing shot of him scratching the ice off of the outside of a window, which he's not even the bad guy. And that is so terrifying. This movie (sighs) is, it's it's beautiful. Well, because he's taking a nap in their house too. That was fucked up too. Like, well, right. He, he comes downstairs because he, he says that he got tired of waiting for her in the cold. Like everything is about yeah. how she is inconveniencing yeah. him with her yeah. bullshit or whatever. There's a great thing when they're on the phone and he says, I love you. And she says, I know. I love you that. Know? <laughs> but, but the way it's set up is so perfect because the killer is actually in the house and that's how he hears their argument. And so that's why he knows to say to her on the phone. Yeah. It's like having a wart removed. <sighs> But of course, it triggers this whole other, you know, understandable belief system within her. And we're set up as the viewers because he gives his totally berserk recital. He's like, sweat is just pouring down his face. You know, he must be a killer. That horror Just not of of unborn babies. Yeah. And he uh, (laughs) later... Rips the lid off the grand piano and and then he picks up the mic stand and starts wailing on the soundboard in the piano. And I was just like, ouch, 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 no, don't do that. Yes, amazing. I I just have to say, (laughs) in, in defense of the piano, I hate when I see people destroying pianos. I have like a genuine, like, yeah, deep down reaction to seeing people, even artists who like, I'm going to set a piano on fire and that's my piece of art. And we're going to listen to the fucking keys like the, mm-hmm. to the strings Snapping. break, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like value. Sure. I, I see value in, in your creation mm-hmm. in destruction. Mm-hmm. Pianos are fucking expensive. They're, they're mostly handmade. They're beautiful pieces of, of art yeah. that make music and yeah. anyone can use them and you're destroying them for, bullshit reasons exactly and it really pisses me off i'm sorry that's my main like that really made him seem like a villain i have the same feeling when people destroy uh violins and cello like any Uh, wooden handmade instrument if you destroy it for fun fuck you yeah definitely so take that take that kiss (laughs) (laughs) yeah gene simmons come at me (laughs) yeah (laughs) this was the most interesting part of the movie to me was that was his reaction to her telling him that she's going to abort their baby. I just, because my knee jerk West coast liberal elite reaction was like, fuck this guy. No, fuck him. He can't control her. It's her body. She can do what she wants. And then thinking about it a little bit more, it was like the thing that was bothering him was she was making a choice about their relationship and their future together. That, that, it just, it's so layered, and it was really interesting to watch this unfold, mm-hmm. because his problem with it wasn't so much that she's making the wrong choice about aborting a child. 
It was that she's making the choice for them as a couple, as a relationship, without his input at all. It was it was the fact that, and I feel like guilty and bad about relating to him in this moment, but it was that she was choosing for them this path forward, and not that it's like wrong or bad to have an abortion at all, and that that is her choice one hundred percent. It was the fact that she didn't confer with him at all. It was the fact yeah. that she shut a path down. She was like, this is no longer a path that we are going to take. It's, it's a path, but it's also like a level of relationship, a level of that, that he felt like they were in. He, he was ready to confer with her on, on things of that level. And she was not. And that I think it, it, to him, it's like an illustration of where their relationship is mm-hmm. for for her. She's a guy that he that maybe is okay to have sex with during her college life, mm-hmm. but she has other plans for her life. And I think that to that illustrated to him that this relationship yeah. wasn't where he thought it was. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that made me think like he's. N- it's not just a red flag. He's not just a piece of shit for like immediately thinking that because it was like, this is illustrating to him a level that their relationship is not at that he thought their relationship was at yeah. because he's ready to marry her. He wants to marry her later in the movie. He, he proposes to her basically. And she's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing that's like, it's just telling of where your relationship is. And it's a it's a come to reality for him of where their relationship is. And that was really interesting. I, it was really interesting to like go through this like, no, fuck this guy. He's a red flag. Fuck that guy. Yeah. He, can, he can he can he can't tell her not to have an abortion. Oh, wait, like his his reality is that they're going to be married and he's going to quit the salon. The uh, what's it called? The, the conservatory. The conservatory. <laughs> he's ready to quit that for her, and she's like, "No, we're not doing that." But he's not quitting it for her. Yeah, he asked her to marry him because he thinks that that's going to make her keep the baby. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so it's like this whole plan that he has in his mind, separate from her, of their future together. And she's like, "No, I don't share that." I'm going to do, I want, I have goals and I want to fulfill these goals. And that is so interesting to see, especially in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Like that's so amazing to see that. Those characters. Yes. He's leaving the conservatory in a self-serving way also, because it's made clear to us that his recital was a failure. <laughs> yeah. We see the looks on the people at, at the, Yes, performance, Ugh. and then he annihilates yes. the grand piano. Yeah. And that so horrible it's, piano. It's just recital. everything about about that character being self absorbed, yes, and self centered, and so you know. But I love the beautiful, deft way that it's set up for us to believe in the same way that Jess believes that he is the killer. I mean, yes. everything everything Amazing. falls into place Amazing. so beautifully in the way that it's written. I really want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about John Saxon. Can I can I really quickly say this whole situation reminded me of uh, <laughs> like before we get off this topic. Uh, Michael uh, Ian Black Twitter rampage we, we, we probably all know about <laughs> whatever 
where what? he was he he was just talking about there was a mass shooting in America and he was talking about how it's just that like this this horrible situation of like you know mass shooters are often white male just shitty white males and because they are not allowed to express their emotions and express them their feelings at all it's this like oh is that why they do it (laughs) i don't know if that's why they do it but it's like they're it's a contributing factor (laughs) what can you help me here what was the michael ian black you know oh god i don't remember this oh really oh really I, i i always think about this where it was just like there's a there's a misogynist white male misogyny affects males as well the patriarchy affects males in a way that is like they are not allowed to express emotion they're supposed to be these like like just emotionless practical practical automatons yeah i I have the same argument about like homophobia in in certain communities yes yes it's it's all this this putrid where the white where the patriarchy is just so shitty even to the the male part of our society and and just like that not that that causes mass shooters but that that is probably a component of it at least yeah but it really reminded me of that whole situation of like a lot not and not a lot of people will like talk about that or address it yeah I get you. I get you. Cause it's a, but it's, yeah, I always come back to like, it's, it's, it's easy to uh, state the problem. It's, it's nearly impossible to solve it because, because one, it's like, okay, can we tell a bunch of men who have been told their entire, who have been raised and conditioned to not need help yeah that they need help that they need help and they need and that they need help on such a deep level and it's okay to communicate (laughs) that that. yeah and that it's okay to say like i need help because i feel sad right or i i I need help because i am being abused or i am being like or like if you need help because like billy billy you did something to agnes yeah (laughs) yeah so this is again like I I see that as the root <laughs> of all of this, but it's impossible to like address the root when we're too busy addressing men the killing symptoms, people. The symptoms of the root. And yeah, that's the thing. It's an interesting place to end up when we're talking about a film that kicks off a genre that is super misogynistic and is basically a lot about men yeah. killing. killing people. Yeah, totally. Um yeah. Okay. I think you're saying many things yeah. that I appreciate, but I want to make sure that I, I hear what you're expressing in particular, this one piece. Mm-hmm. So are you, because I'm not familiar with things on Twitter, <laughs> um, but is it, are you just, just saying like, there's, there's two sides to everything. Like the patriarchy also is a prison uh, for folks. It's not just, it doesn't just oppress people that are outside of yes uh, membership in the patriarchy. I just want to make sure that I'm understanding. I think that. so. I think okay. I, that makes total sense. Yeah, but that's it, in that's, America. That's, I guess what I'm saying. And we're in Canada right now, <laughs> right? Where even just making that phone call, I think, would probably get you arrested for two weeks for assault, right? Yeah, Unless they hopefully. call John Saxon. <laughs> John Saxon. 
Canadian uh, sentencing rules are just endlessly fascinating to me. I know, because every sentence, every sentence has to end with A. A? No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to do it. (laughs) Wow, that was so much wine. You you went right there. But Lieutenant Ken Fuller. (laughs) Yeah. John Saxon. Who is playing maybe the same character he plays in Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, he's playing the same character he's played in most of the movies he's been in. Um, <laughs> Lieutenant, I whatever. Love John Saxon. Me too. I Me three. Feel yeah. like I can n- never get enough of that. F- just that face. He's so oh my extreme. God. He's got like this extreme, <sighs> like his voice, his accent. Yeah. His oh, eyes, his intense eyes. He's got guy liner. Oh man! Like I know, uh, it's just magic. I love him. I'm just yeah. thrilled every opportunity to see him. Just thrills me. But this character is so great. Hmm. Yes, he is maybe Lieutenant we'll have Ken Fuller. <laughs> oh, he is rational, normal, pretty efficient police officer. Hmm. Yeah. Is yes. that true? I mean, once once he. Once it's made clear to him that people at the uh, calm down lady front desk <laughs> are not hearing it, well, the one Claire's Claire Harrison's boyfriend goes in into the station like yelling mm-hmm. as he as he should. Mm-hmm. But then there's a whole nother episode where they ha- they kind of have to go back to and yell for Ken Fuller before they get any kind of traction mm-hmm. um, from the police in terms of missing folks and the obscene phone calls and all of that. But I feel like, like I'm, I'm okay. I'm except for the calm down lady part, like, which isn't Ken Fuller. I kind of love it, but I also have to say there's a, when, so they set up, they go through this elaborate thing where they go and they uh, put a device in, in the sorority house telephone. Mm -hmm. And that's where we learn the crucial information Yes, that, when the man from the phone company is there, yeah, um, he they're saying like, "How many phones are in the house?" I don't remember the character's name, but it's Les Carlson is the phone company guy, much to my delight. Mm. But he's they're like, "How many phones are there?" And she says, "There's there's one on the stairs, and there's one like in over here in the living room, and then there's a separate line in the house mother's mm-hmm. room, mm-hmm. right?" And then it's like, "Aha, aha, yeah." Uh-huh. And they they give it to you really beautifully. Like they yeah. just toss it off. And if you're not paying attention, mm-hmm. which at this mm-hmm. point in film going, in movie going, uh, you aren't aware that the killer is inside the house or could be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they put the device in the phone. They set it up so that when the phone rings at the sorority house with Billy Billy, I killed Agnes screaming, et cetera heavy breathing super tongue person calls that phone will ring at the same time on lieutenant ken fuller's desk and they even do the extra detail that i love where he says and we've took taken the transmitter out so they can't hear anything that's happening here meaning in the police station Mm -hmm. and for some reason that's a detail that just makes me want to go super tongue on everyone who made that movie (laughs) Um, because that is such a great 
super tone. And, <laughs> and weirdly in, in my head, necessary thing for them to say so that he can just sit there and be like all John Saxon, like all cool on the phone and without his hand over the thing. Yeah. Without it being like that. And he that. gets so, and so like, Jesus. Right. He's, yeah. And they're just like, oh, shit, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but so he listens in and then Les Carlson is at the phone company. And so it, it triggers a thing. So he gets the alert and then he is running through this amazing uh, oh, I love that. setup of the phone company that allows him to trace the call. And I, it's, I feel like this is the only movie where I've ever seen yeah, that. That server setup, room. Right? So he's yes. like literally yeah. like Raiders of the Lost Ark in last scene in it in the phone company and like all the things are like clickety clickety click 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 and oh my god it's so great and it's, so yeah. it's an illustration of don't... random access memory it's an it's like yeah, this, it's is, so oh, this is what great. ram is yeah, yeah. it so was amazing. shelves and shelves and shelves of these like metallic it looked oh like god, 2001 crazy machines that were with doing all cables kinds of weird and shit cords is for that, no reason <laughs> is that right? really and what so it looks like it's the classic thing where it's like yeah so they're like, wild. you know, the classic thing whenever you trace a call, keep them on the phone, keep them on the phone. Yep. And so mm -hmm. there's this, this great sequence where the phone calls come and right before he gets to the box that Scott that will tell him what line it is that he can put the thing on and, and it'll tell him it's like, oh, cuts off twice. Mm -hmm. There's also the really weird element where the boyfriend, Peter, that we're now thinking might be the killer calls and they have this conversation about the baby yes. and, and he's, he's crying like, don't kill the baby and he's all worked mm -hmm. up and he's like don't kill the baby don't whatever like mm -hmm. save the baby blah 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 and i feel like lieutenant ken fuller uh has a real poker face until the end of the, until the phone <laughs> cuts off and then he's like what's that about yeah <laughs> then he goes real dad like like what's that about <laughs> oh and then we that that's when we find out that uh Andrea Martin, I think, knows about this already because oh, yeah, Andrea she Martin has no is reaction. she has zero she's reaction. <laughs> she just she mm -hmm. kind of just looks down like oh, shit. She has like how humiliating for you. Mm -hmm. But before they get the first phone call, like they set up the trace and Olivia Hussey is sitting in the living room of, of the sorority house, and there's this great pair of shots where she is sitting and she's left the screen like just sitting and waiting and, and she's in front of a crackling fireplace and it's this beautiful profile shot of her just waiting and then they cut to the next shot and it is lieutenant fuller doing the same thing at his desk yeah. in the police station so and good. it's just super beautiful interesting yeah, i love it that's awesome there are a few edits in this movie that i will happily call masterful <laughs> oh my uh, god particularly at every kill every kill oh when mm. um, Margot Kidder, mm. when she got killed, that scene is amazing. It's beautiful. He picks up a glass unicorn. <laughs> this like icicle stabbing <laughs> utensil. And then there's just, it's, what is it cutting between her being killed and just her the carol singers the, the carols carol, oh my god which also that's why oh my god, i want to talk about can't that here why olivia hussey can't hear her the screaming. insane caroling christmas caroling is fucking insane it really is like to open your door <laughs> and to stand there like like birth like happy birthday is being sung to you and stare into the faces of these serious children or whoever whomever yeah who are really like that was a real ass children's choir oh my god <laughs> like, like impressive and that's like a real thing that happens 
even yeah. now yeah. in America and throughout the world, maybe. I don't know. But that is so fucking awkward to stand there, open your door, and have a bunch of people sing at you while you just stand there staring at them. I could not. I was squirming in my yes, seat. It's like more than the murder. All of it, like the murder, and then oh Olivia Hussey God. having to stand in her doorway and, and just, just like smile, smile, and listen to this oh the entire time. God. She is giving. I'm uncomfortable. Yes. The entire time. Yes. It's so good. It's well, so good. Margot Kidder's being murdered. Oh, poor Margot With her Kidder glass menagerie. Yes. And her little <laughs> glass swans that are being the shattered. Beauty, like, really good giallo scene. Like that, That's like, yeah. like Dario truly, Argento is truly. 100% responsible and for, that's where the for tr- that. Right. With the, the shots through the glass so it's yes. distorted. And the, yeah. sh- the poster scene is his, his half-lit up eye. Oh, my God. And him stabbing down over a Christmas tree is from her murder. Yes. It's just amazing so good. and horrifying. Oh, my God. Okay. So we got to talk about. Okay. So after that scene, Olivia Hussey, she's called. She's told the, um, uh, what's his name? The cop. Says, don't panic her. Do not tell her that the calls are coming from the house. And the cop, I will kill you. Yeah, he says, he <laughs> Nash, says that to I will Nash, kill you. the, the dumbest, you. the dumbest cop. Yeah, John Saxon yeah. sells this cop to Nash. Yeah. Do not tell her that the calls are coming. Do not panic her. Tell her to get out of the house. Oh my god, get out of the house. And she, he is like, put the phone down, get out of the house. And she doesn't, you know, immediately react. And so he set, tells her. The, mer- the calls are coming from inside the house. Get out, get out, get out. Oh, my God. And that scene, <laughs> this is just amazing scene of it her is. screaming up the staircase for her friends to come down. And then she doesn't leave. She goes upstairs, of course, and she looks in the room. She opens the door to her friend's room, to Margot Kidder's room, and the, the two girls who are left are, her and Andrea Martin are stacked up. Yeah. And there's only one shot because I was very curious about, like, what did he put them in like a specific position or whatever? And she's looking in on them just bloodied oh up and stacked on the bed. And then it's a shot of this eyeball looking through the crack of the door. Ugh. And it is so terrifying. <laughs> it is this eyeball amazing <laughs> looking like from probably six inches away from her, where her face is looking at her and just starts like, I don't remember what he says. It's blank from my memory because I was so terrified he, he, of just this like shot. More, more of the Agnes rant comes out, but he's he's also like his eyes are just it's so wide. wide. They're like open. crazy cocaine wide. And it's like partially red and partially blue. <laughs> it's just like the most insane uh, looking. I was like, that's what is that? Is that CG? What did they do to make no, this eye look so that's terrifying? fucking photography. <laughs> it's just insane. And then she slams the door open and runs away. But it's and he's like freaking out and like laughing and running after her. And you never really see who he is. But that shot is I'll remember for the rest of my life. Yep. I feel like that is traumatizing. Mm. That is so scary. So many just perfect elements coming to a head there. Yes. Where the girls had felt secure mm. uh, before Phil gets murdered. The girls are feeling secure because they've posted a policeman outside the house. Yep. And so we just see the dark sedan outside. And so they look and they see the sedan. There's been a setup through the entire film from the very, very beginning that there's a problem with the front door that it swings open because Margot Kidder's character comes down and she immediately says, God damn it, who left the door yep. open? And so yep. 
multiple characters reference the door and at which some isn't point, really two, a problem the, it was it was billy coming into the house <laughs> the two of them are no because olivia hussey says like this door and this window are the only ones that are locked in the house and That's so they the go back. through the house the locking it up mm-hmm. i know but they go through the rest of the house locking everything up there's another problem with the door when Mrs. Mack is there. Olivia Hussey has a problem with the door when she's oh. bringing in groceries. Oh, is that why she has to lock it from the outside? Which, yeah. which I was like, the door's fucked up, Eric. That's really terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> the door's fucked up. But it's, it's Toronto, it's so no one, no one thinks that there's you need to lock a door. <laughs> That's such a scary little detail because it's just like. But so she goes thing. for the door, and we all know that she just locked it. Yeah. And. So she struggles with the door, and then there's the craziest hair pulling moment ever. Yeah, and she just screams Uh, at the top of her lungs. And then she goes running into the basement, which is like obviously right. Dear, I I know. Just go wherever in the basement. I but loved watching this movie with Joe last night so much. It was like (laughs) it was like we were having (laughs) we were having some kind of exchange that we have not been allowed to have ever because mm-hmm. <laughs> Joe won't watch horror movies with me. Yeah. And especially a home invasion. I know. Movies. And I, I know they're, they're terrifying, <laughs> but this movie is so <laughs> scary. Like it's genuinely scary to me. Oh my God. It is a uh, genuine, like the whole thing. I'm just yeah. like, this is fucking brilliantly done. And it is still to this day, terrifying. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to sit with you and have you experience the eye behind the door. Oh my God. Her running into the basement and you said out loud, right on cue, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I was, oh my God. It was, I was, so I was trying not to talk to him during the movie <laughs> because I was like <laughs> saving it for the pod. Uh-huh. Um, I think I said a couple of things, but oh my God, it was so nice. It was so fun. It was so much fun. It's fun, but also. And then I was like holding my breath for the final shot of the movie like i was waiting for you to react to it really terrifying when the credits started rolling well so she goes into the basement yeah and and then uh the killer is pounding on the door to the basement and there's just this close shot of the lock Mm -hmm. and we hear like the splintering and the creaking of this old basement door and then classic terrifying device suddenly it stops and the footsteps walk away and she's there. She's she had grabbed the fireplace poker earlier. Yes. <laughs> when she went before she went upstairs and she's in this basement, the creepy, creepy basement full of crap. Um, <laughs> and she's hiding in the basement and everybody's terrified. And then <laughs> somebody appears and starts um, fucking around with the uh, screened windows and the great thing is that the windows muffle the voice just enough to make it sound like the obscene yes. phone caller. Yeah. Like it's garbled. So yep. it's just amazing. Yes. And, and then you, you the can't scene, make out his features. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, he like, and, like, oh, and, and we've seen the killer, like we've seen the silhouette of the killer twice now, mm-hmm. which kind of matches Kirdalia's hairstyle, like his little page boy mm-hmm. Bob. <laughs> yeah, they, they really dig into the silhouette as, as the killer goes back and forth from the attic as mm-hmm. he's dragging the bodies around and all of that. But then the scene that Eric was talking about where 
we realize we don't know right away where he's cleaning, wiping the frost off of the glass Mm -hmm. door to the basement and ultimately breaks it. But by that time, we know it's Peter. Yep. That is legit. But that's the creepiest thing in the entire We also are like, he's the murderer at this point. Mm -hmm. I was like, fully, he's the murderer. He definitely, because the way he destroyed that piano, the way his rage and him taking a nap in their house without asking. (laughs) It's so. He just then, like, we know, then we know he's just kind of presumptuous. Uh, yeah, but also I like, find that sociopathic. Doesn't necessarily make it's not no. as bad as being killed. I find that sociopathic. I, th- I think if you're going to take a, uh, yeah. a nap in someone else's house when they're not home, he you're just helped crazy. himself, and uh, and also <laughs> just like at home in that house in a way that yeah, a person would not be. So yeah, he breaks the window and comes in, and then the last shot we see is him saying, "Why didn't you answer me? I was calling oh your God. name," and he and he sort of like rushes into the room that she's just cowering in and it's like and then we cut to the police mm-hmm. outside finally arriving to the house and then her screaming and then the cops break in they've got their guns whatever everything's over and they come to the basement room where she they both look dead she looks dead and he is fully dead his eyes are open wide open bloody and then she stirs and she murdered him with the fire poker and you're like that's it okay we're done and i fully fell for it (laughs) i was like okay we're done that's (laughs) it was amazing ellen it was amazing we got the murderer because i was convinced (laughs) because when there's a scene of the murderer fucking up the attic and i was like oh he fucks up the an attic the way he fucks up a piano it's the exact same thing obviously Mm. it's and but but, you know good call that is really good i'm aware of red herrings i'm aware of all that i i'm a smart movie viewer (laughs) oh okay i still was like okay that was him i for some reason you know Mm -hmm. i feel like now 2020 being watching the movie already i'm like okay that was him we got the murderer he's done the cops are there there everything's fine they leave her like sedated in her bed and they're like she's she'll be out for four hours and they're like, we got to get this guy to downtown. Whatever, we have to go do things. We yeah, have to watch a, the front of the house. Claire's father uh, passes out. Then, mm-hmm. oh He's yeah, right, shock. right, right. Even though they haven't yet, the bodies are still up in the attic. They pan slowly from Olivia Hussey sleeping, passed out on drugs, to each bedroom. Every room that a murder happened. Every mo- every room that a murder happened with this horrifying chime of horror music mm-hmm. and i'm still like okay we're, we're but we're okay we're fine and then they pan <laughs> to the, the ladder to the attic and you hear his voice and we see like the two murdered bodies in the attic which they still haven't found yeah oh and my god pan out across the roof of the house with the murdered the first girl murdered and like asphyxiated in, in the, the window in the window it just looks like a <laughs> Christmas decoration. It's so terrifying. To his voice. And then there's a cop outside watching the house. And then the credits are rolling. And I yes! was just like, no fucking way. Do they not just tell us who the murderer is out of all these people? There's no way. Especially after, after just watching Death on the Nile. Yeah. Especially after that. Where it's just like, they're not going to just leave us hanging. There's no way. I was so angry at first. And then just so horrified. And like, just the fact that they don't tell you who it is, is 
fucking incredible. Well, but there's the most amazing moment. So we know that he kills someone and then he calls. Oh, God. Apologize. Uh And so we see the house and we see that there's Nash is at the front door Uh guarding it. We know that Jess is in the bedroom and we know the killer is still in the house. Mm -hmm. And then we hear the phone ring. Uh huh. Ellen, I have never put that together. I have never thought of that. What? That is, I I am covered in goosebumps right now. That is so fucked up. <laughs> Wait, that who's still you gotta in the house? You got to watch it again. I know. Well, I'm going to obviously watch it again. Oh, my God. Who? Wait, who? What, what are we saying? That who's the in the killer, house? So, so the killer makes phone calls. From inside the house. From inside from the, the house. Attic. When? After. After, after he he's killed someone. people. Right. So who's in the house? Olivia Hussey. So he murdered her. And then he's making a phone call, and the and the ringing gets louder and louder. Yes, throughout the and it happens. Th- it rings thirteen times. Like, <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> they do it. They, the entire credits. That's horrible. The entire length of the credits. And the cop is like wondering whether he should go in and answer the phone or what. He's just like he's standing, just like smoking a cigarette, standing or guard outside the house. Oh my god, this that movie is, is so good. So like to just. Don't don't throw things, Joe. <laughs> oh my god. The piano. The, the piano. <laughs> Fuck this microphone. <laughs> the amount just the birdcage. <laughs> the insanity <laughs> level of this movie from from uh Margot Kidder calling her mother a gold-plated whore, from her giving champagne to a child. <gasps> oh my god, we didn't even talk about that. We didn't talk about that. But <laughs> but the for her being stabbed with a unicorn uh glass menagerie. Like it just and like her and the house mom covering up that nude photo of the peace sign. Oh, so good. Just the level of like NC 17 ness to this movie pales in comparison to the, like them just leaving you with the knowledge that you don't, it's just some random fucking psychopath and that, that it that it is gonna go on and it's gonna go on. And it's just like that is so. That's the scariest thing you could have done. Mm-hmm. Because in the new the remake we saw, it ends up with the college girls like fighting and like stabbing. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh, I'm just now remembering the end of the remake. Because that's my mm-hmm. kicking off point for this movie is like oh. this remake. And it, and it's just like <laughs> it's one of their boyfriends or whatever. It's like one of the guys. And there's like a cabal of it's, the, it's like a, a cult of dudes who are yeah. doing some bullshit. It's so stupid. But it's the scream level. Is it of the like, patriarchy? It's it's the patriarchy. Actually, you know what? I'm it not no, no joke. It is. It's the patriarchy. No, I'm not joking. It no. is literally it the is. patriarchy. But to leave this in a way, in just the random chaotic, just a just a random thing. Like he he sleep he sulks up to the house at the very beginning, just randomly. He's mm-hmm. just uh whatever yeah, he's the doors got going open on. Or- and that is so terrifying that it's just, it, it's this chaotic, just horrifying level that is so amazing. I don't know. There's something, it's so affecting. <laughs> it is so scary. Yeah. 
on a on a home invasion level it reminds me of funny games <laughs> sort of yeah yeah, where, yeah like the nihilism of it yeah in a way that is just truly terrifying it's just really really good it's really amazing so the way that some people define horror or that or, or i guess the, the way that some people like categorize genuinely scary horror movies mm. is that it has to leave you with no hope right um it, like when it ends you have to feel hopeless yeah and this is 100 yes. percent just like gold star yeah hopeless yeah um it's also ex- i find it exciting i just mm. i don't know i that's the way i react to horror though is like i get i get really titillated um by by that fear and that hopelessness like it's like ro- it's my roller coaster or whatever yeah. mm. or my sports <laughs> um right, right so yeah like this movie coming so early into the game and with with people who just are doing a fucking kick-ass job from start to finish yeah. like Every actor in it is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bob Clark is just apparently he made a bunch of decisions to make it not gory, to to make the uh, the violence more implied. Yeah, genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The again the edits like the first kill, uh, Claire gets a dry cleaning bag stretched across her face. Yeah, and she's she then gasps in, and it cuts directly to the house mother and all the girls in the house gasping at the Christmas gift that they mm-hmm. gave her. Mm-hmm. Fucking so great. Brilliant. Yeah. And same when Margot Kidder is killed. I can't remember if it was Margot Kidder or uh, Andrew Martin, but one of them, when they die, it like the scream cuts to a guy at the front door pounding on the door. The, going, taxi, hey! driver the taxi driver in, in uh, the middle of the wreath, I think. Yes. Like oh, yeah. Yeah. Destroyed. Yeah. And he's right. yelling. Yeah. And then again, again, yeah. uh, when they oh, find that's, that's, it's the house mother's death because it's the cab that's waiting yeah. to take exactly. The exactly. House. And when the when they find the body of the 13 year old girl and the mother comes and sees and screams. The scream is the fucking ring of the telephone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's genius. But also the way that the the sound, the score like layers over oh, I love the it. next scene. Like the sound bleeds into mm-hmm. the other scene. I love it. It's mm-hmm. just terrific. And they use that so many times throughout the film. It's just amazing. Can we talk about the clothes? Oh, yeah. can we? Well, first we have to talk about uh, Olivia Hussey's sweater in the first fucking scene. Yeah. The hand sweat, hand the sweater. Hand. The hand sweater, which I would kill for. <laughs> <laughs> it's like high fiving across her whole body, or it's like holding her tits up. They're holding her boobs, which <laughs> yeah. is such a seventies thing. Which is great because she's wearing a giant cross. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, uh, Margot Kidder is yes. wearing a black caftan with a red and green. Motif the rose embroidery, yeah. That I want, I want that caftan so bad. It's very similar to the caftan that I own, <laughs> but it's a little True. more classy. I want, I want it so bad. Everything Margot Kidder wore was just looked amazing. Everything She's Mrs. Mack wore was awesome to me. Mm-hmm. Her plaid, uh, off to my sister's house, uh, <laughs> get up. Her multiple plaids. I'm troubled by her headwear. Uh, when oh, we first meet her because me I, it is yes. one of those hats that's got um, 
I think it's feathers or uh, monkey fur on it. So it's a green hat. And then it's surrounded oh, by, it, it looks like a hat with blonde little boy bangs. All, yeah. way, yes. it. it's, all the way it around. It is so <laughs> disturbing and I cannot look away from it. Someone yeah. scalped a blonde man mm-hmm. wearing a fedora uh, <laughs> and just included the fedora in it. Which uh, yeah, she's wearing an amazing blouse, which is like this digitized rose. Garden. I love that. I love that fucking fabric it's so beautiful. much. Beautiful, and the, the hat does not match it at all. <laughs> Thank God she throws that hat away at a certain point to put on whatever gift they gave her. But that hat, I was. It's just to make her seem older. I think. Basically. Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. and drunk. Yeah. <laughs> which she was. She like finds that book with the booze in it immediately but the, so the booze was in the closet the the encyclopedia the toilet tank the toilet bedroom was a drawer mm. why did she hide it that's <laughs> my question because yeah. she has a drinking problem yeah what else uh so art hindles for coat which immediately announces that he's hot and amazing and a murderer <laughs> right no i never th- i never considered him to be the murderer he also his accent is <laughs> i don't know if that if he's speaking in his like genuine <laughs> canadian mm. accent but he sounded like he lived <laughs> in letter kenny like he was <laughs> it was yeah. so letter kenny it was so fucking extreme canadian accent mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. But God damn it, he was hot. Which reminds me. Oh, is it time for mm. pick, pick your folk? I start. It's Art Hindle. In the fur coat. In the fur coat. Yeah. 100%. He's yeah. hot as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I've been hot for him since. And he's he's also like he was in the dead zone as a, as a murderer. <laughs> Spoiler alert. And uh, he is hot as fuck in that too. Like wow. dude's hot. Wow. Uh-huh. Is it Ellen? No, it's you. Oh, okay. So <laughs> he was my first poke, uh, despite the fur coat. I was like, yes, great. He looks great. But what it ended up being was John Saxon. Ooh. Oh. The lieutenant who is great and just trying to do good, do a good job amidst all of the just shitty, like, we just had a girl murdered in the park. We're busy. Attend uh, police officers. <laughs> He's actually trying I to mean, like figure it out. I mean, admittedly, they're busy. They are busy. Don't maybe don't say that over the phone though. If you just had a girl murdered in the park, you don't really have to like give that information out. That's kind of crazy. But yeah, he was great. He's got a calm down, lady. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> we just had a girl murdered in the park. He he's a calm person, down, lady precinct. John Saxon is a person I've seen. <laughs> thousands of times before yeah so he's in so many many things yeah i yeah he's my book um, ellen do you have one okay is it sexy sexy <laughs> i just love him too much i love too <laughs> I much <laughs> to do that to him um it is i had to look because i wasn't remembering the character's name earlier it's graham oh graham i love graham with the curly black hair no he's the the phone company guy Oh, it's Leslie Carlson, Les Carlson, oh. who is also in the Dead Zone, I think. Right? Yes, he he's in the Dead yeah. Zone, and he's in Videodrome. Like he's part of. Oh, uh, he's so in Videodrome. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Uh, yeah, we don't. This so yet. one of the reasons that I was very adamant about picking this movie was that there <laughs> there is a literal spider web of of connections that are possible from this movie, and they're all so good. 
Like it's oh my god, it's it's great. Are we going right into plink your link? Well, should we? Should, <laughs> what are we well, calling that segment? Okay, I have two things. I have two things to say about this before we uh, tell people if we recommend it. Ha <laughs> ha. First is that the actor that did the voice of Billy, the phone calls. Uh, his oh. name was Nick Mancuso. Oh my god. And oh my god, what? Yeah. And we've seen him in in quite a few things. He's he's apparently he's, according to IMDb, he's most famous for being in Under Siege and Under Siege Two, <laughs> which I know I've seen one of those. Uh, but yeah, he's a he's a Italian man who was raised in Canada, hmm. and he's quite the actor. Those phone calls, the level of debauchery and just like disgustingness of those phone calls was really boggling my mind for this era it was i couldn't believe that the like again maybe i'm just i have a full different understanding of what could be shown because angela lansbury getting shot in the head in death on the nile was so shocking to me to be shown yeah, the seventies was all about being ex- as shocking as you could possibly be, and then the eighties so. got to a very wholesome kind of. I guess that's where era. I come in because the nineties it felt more like you couldn't show this kind of thing, or like it just yeah. felt like NC seventeen unrated. No, the seventies was like full on, like let's press the boundaries yeah, as was far wild. as we can. But let me okay, let me let me finish this. So Nick Mancuso, the the voice of Billy. Did an audio commentary track as no! Billy <laughs> oh, shut up. on the 40th anniversary Blu-ray release of Black Christmas. Whoa. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's incredible. So, Amazing. as soon as I found that out, I thought, <laughs> could I watch an hour and 38 minutes of Billy? Is he just like saying like the most fucked up shit the I entire time? I don't movie? know. That'd be so funny. Know. The audio commentary was is just like, I'm gonna fuck is it. About <laughs> it? Is he li- or is he like is he licking it? I find this a cogent argument about abortion. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Maybe she shouldn't have the abortion. Maybe he needs her. I don't think so. Like that would be amazing. <laughs> you put the commentary on, and then your phone starts ringing immediately. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! Okay, Holy shit. and then my last bit of trivia before our our before we uh, ride this out is this was Elvis Presley's favorite horror film. Oh yeah! And he every Christmas would watch black christmas with his family i guess wow uh but he, he died two years after it came out so so, one christmas. so he watched it twice yeah uh but it was his favorite horror film which i find interesting That's... it makes me like elvis a little more the king the king. Um, the king of christmas horror bob carlson also directed hilariously christmas story yes he did bob oh, clark wow. which i've never seen oh sorry bob clark Oh, I've seen like I'm, I'm thousands stuck back and thousands on my of segments calls. of Christmas Story. I've seen this. I've seen a Christmas Story probably two hundred times. Yeah, I've seen bits and, and I've pieces never, of it. I do love it. I've never seen it. He also directed Rhinestone. He sure did. Rhinestone, uh, Porky's, Porky's Two. <laughs> wow! Wow! Interesting. That's so interesting. All right, uh, I highly recommend this movie. Highly, oh, do you like highly? I could not highly. see that coming. I know. Huh. I don't really have anything else to say about it. I I just think that everyone should watch it. This is a ten out of ten hearts 
for me. It is fucking incredible. It, it I was skeptical when we went in. I didn't know Olivia Hussey at all. I didn't understand why we were following her into this movie, <laughs> especially based I think, on. I think you've made that abundant. Yeah, <laughs> like Death on the Nile. Her role in that was very. I felt forgettable, or she she didn't have the time to shine in Death on the Nile that she could have. And so I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> why? <laughs> because I didn't, she didn't make an impression. And for the first part of this movie, also I was like, wait, which one is she? I don't understand why we followed her into this. Having watched the whole movie, fully understand why we watched her be terrorized by <laughs> this phone <laughs> horror. And yeah, it, it's a classic, classic, terrifying movie, even for today's standards. Mm -hmm. I would. Definitely recommend this movie. It's incredible. Ellen? Oh, yeah, what I do you it. think? <laughs> I love it. So this is really difficult. Um, oh, is it? It is. Because there are so many. Um, <laughs> there's Art Hindle, who is in The Dead Zone. There is uh, Graham, who is in Videodrome. <laughs> And the dead zone. And the dead zone. If we're going by like standout performance, it's Margot Kidder. Yeah. And my choice for Margot Kidder, which I, as much as I just Amityville. really, I really want, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, surprisingly, no. Wow. Uh, my <laughs> okay. choice, my choice for Margot Kidder isn't Amityville and it isn't Superman or Superman 2, which I also just desperately want to watch with Joe. Um, it's the the reincarnation of Peter Proud. Oh yeah, what? yeah. So this is a weird one. It's a weird one. Okay. It's a mystery, but it's kind of a mid seventies existential acid trip mystery. Like it's it's mm -hmm. it's not. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily fit our theme, but we don't technically have a theme right now. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we. <laughs> and by the way, Superman and Superman Two don't fit into it. Sadly. I know, I know. It, but, it was but, murder. I know. I thought the. I thought of this too. Yeah. So then my 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 final my final thing was John Saxon. Yes. Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yes, classic. Okay. Daddy vibes. Okay. So Nightmare on Elm Street. That's my my John choice. Saxon. John Saxon, Nightmare on Elm Street. Interesting. Ah, uh, thank you for taking us on that journey. Because my first link was, I was thinking Margot Kidder because she's fucking incredible in this movie. Yes. And then the first thing I saw was Superman and Superman 2. And I was like, oh, we've already, these have already come up. Let's go that route. And then John Saxon came into the picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I started to look, I was like, I recognize this man, but where do I recognize him from? And it turns out I recognize him as being the lieutenant in every other movie I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. So John Saxon is the link I choose. And I just went ham and like basically looked up all the interesting things that he's ever been in. And Nightmare on Elm Street came up, but I've seen that. And I'm, I kind of want to branch out. My top pick for him is. Assassinio el Cimetero Etrusco, the scorpion with two tails. Oh my god! Because so funny. apparently, I guess he spoke Italian. So I think I have then, the uh, soundtrack to that movie. 
and he's was, Italian American. Okay, and was therefore in a lot of Italian giallos. Giallos. He's in giallo films, yeah. And so I was like, "That sounds interesting. Let's look at this." And it is the description of it. Okay, wait, give me one moment to look, because it's insane. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. It's okay. So I took a screenshot, but the, the full description isn't on the screenshot. And I have to read the full description. Joan has nightmares of Etruscan sacrifices. She knows very well the <laughs> Etruscan language, and her husband Arthur is an archaeologist studying Etruscan tombs. In a nightmare, she foresees her husband's death, and Arthur is then killed with the same with the same way the Etruscans killed their <laughs> sacrifice victims. And so I was very enthralled and, and was like, what is this? <laughs> and so I thought that was a very interesting link to take. Okay, Ellen, I'll let you go. <laughs> Thank you, Kanye. If you chose John Saxon. <laughs> 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 if not, cancel the recording. Stop the episode. <laughs> um. Like Eric was saying, there's so many ways to go with it, right? So I'm going to run it down for you. Um, of course, Les Carlson, Videodrome, and The Dead Zone. And of course, The Dead Zone, because it's a twofer, kind of like Death on the Nile was a, a murder she wrote twofer. Dead Zone is a Black Christmas twofer option that I think we should consider as it's in our lane. Zink! Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> I also then thought, oh, but what about Cure D'Elia? Like, who can resist him? But he is in one of uh, my favorite movies, directed by Otto Preminger, which is Bunny Lake is Missing. Oh, that's right. And so I super love Bunny Lake is Missing, but I can tell this is going to go the way. Bunny Lake is Missing is this pod episode's gaslight, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, that's fine. I'm still going. And of course, inevitably, we're all going to land on John Saxon because, because John Saxon. But my pick from John Saxon, here's the thing. Like, I would pick, of course, Argento. I would pick Tenebre, right? But uh, it's too, too great. Might just be too much, too much. Like, that was yeah hard for me because he's one of my exceptions to this the spurting uh blood but <laughs> it does have that amazing oh, remember the the crane shot like all the way up and anyways whatever but okay so john saxon's in that and i do respect and love that and it's in our region but there's an episode <laughs> Of Starsky and Hutch that he's in oh, that I saw when I was a kid that mm. um, just struck me with an intensity. Interesting. And he plays like a vampire-ish character. Ooh, Holy shit. I like that. But I don't know. John Saxon, you can't go wrong way. And I feel like I have to mention that, well, if we've all been looking up John Saxon mm -hmm. in, in our own ways, right? Mm -hmm. In whatever way we're getting this information to inform the choice. But he passed away in 2020, sadly. Rest oh, in peace. Oh, really? But he is actually buried at Lakeview Cemetery. Oh, oh. shit. Wait, isn't that where... Uh, where? Yeah, he's... he's um, 
interred near Bruce and Brandon Lee. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. So Was, I haven't been there Seattle? for several years. I don't know. But I mean, he's he's Roper, man. Huh. Roper should be with Bruce Lee. I, yeah. Oh. He's, John Saxon, I, it seems like the link that we're going to follow. Oh, yes. 100%. A million percent. We, we all chose him. <laughs> he is, the, the amount of lieutenants that he's played in the movies. <laughs> okay, my case for the scorpion with two tails. The, the, my lead pick for John Saxon is that it's an Italian horror. And have you seen it? Have either of I've, you seen I it? I have not seen it. Have this. you heard of it? Yes. You have. Okay. So I'm interested to go way left field and just see where we make ourselves, where we work ourselves back to after a obscure pick like this. An obscure Italian movie That's, from 1982. Yeah. This is my case for, for A Scorpion with Two Tails. You had me at. Italian name of of movie, uh-huh. you had me. Uh-huh. Like I was immediately just like, <laughs> "Fuck all of my ideas. Uh-huh. We're doing this." Uh-huh. Um, I'm just gonna let everybody know. I texted Corey J. Brewer uh, oh. as soon as Joe brought up that movie. Oh, fun fact for our listeners who don't know Corey J. Brewer, uh, who is our <laughs> de facto fourth. It was murder right or yeah. whatever. Um, <laughs> He has watched every movie in the Giallo section of Scarecrow Video, and he has done a presentation in person reviewing every one of those movies. Wow. So, of course, anytime Giallo comes up, I immediately go to Corey J. Brewer. (laughs) Uh, He has never seen this movie. Oh, wow. I recommend that we do this and that we maybe invite him on. Oh, That'd be interesting. I love that idea. It is Giallo. It is 100% a Giallo. Okay. It's it's past Giallo's prime. Right, right. (laughs) Certainly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's probably very sleazy Uh and trashy, Uh but it is by one of Giallo's most prominent directors. Wow. Who who is it? Sergio Martino. Sergio Martino. Okay. Um, I'm in. That's fine. Yay. Okay, yay. Oh my God. Ellen okay. Agrees. That's so, fine. I'm sorry. That sounded like I was like, I grant you permission. <laughs> yeah. No, you kind of did. Yeah, that's but that's, great. I love no, this. That's great. I'm so excited. Okay. So, listeners, we are watching a movie that in English is called <laughs> The Scorpion with Two Tails. Yeah. It is on Tubi. So, you can go to tubitv.com. So, T U B I T V.com and you can watch it. In Italian, Assassinio al cimitero etrusco, and I think it just that rolls off the tongue. Does I mean, not mean Joe's perfect Italian yeah, pronunciation. Right, something it's like we're in Rome. Based on the, the the description and how many times they said Etruscan, I think it says something about Etruscan, but and it doesn't say scorpion. I don't know what that means. Are you Google translating it right now? No, I'm looking at on the when. I'm looking at, um, oh, I guess I'm looking at the wrong one. But underneath one of the googly things, this is why to watch. It says eerie, suspenseful, and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. All right, guys. Thank you so much for sticking with us, hanging yes. out for the chain reaction. If you are interested in talking to us about anything that we're doing. Don't. You- <laughs> <laughs>
You can email us at itwasmurderpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at itwasmurderpod, or you can follow us on Twitter at itwasmurderpod. You can rate and review us wherever you are listening to this. Uh, Apple Podcast seems to be like a real easy one. You can go to an Etruscan cemetery and pray that we'll respond to you. (laughs) You can do all of these things. These are all things that you can do. That's it. We will see you next week. Good night, Freeway. Good night, Freeway. Good night, Freeway. Well, don't you know that's the sound of the men working on the chain. Yeah.